Welcome back to another episode of Made for Philly. I am Bryce Alinsky alongside Matt Minton. We are, of course, presented by Godzilla Media. And Matt, the Eagles are back off their bye. We kind of sat back and watched Washington uh, lose to Dallas. So kind of a good thing there, considering the Eagles play Washington this weekend. And the winner of this game will have the seventh seed going into the final three weeks. A lot to a lot to get to. We're obviously going to break down the Washington football team matchup. That is this Sunday. And then we're obviously going to talk about uh, re- really what to expect from the Eagles these last four games. And they're all divisional matchups. Uh, the Eagles control their own playoff destiny. So we'll get to all of that. And then we're also going to look at the whispers of a potential James Harden deal, maybe coming back alive. How realistic is it? We'll get to that. But first... Eagles, Washington football team in Philly, one o'clock. This is kind of what, you know, I'm not sure everybody expected it, but when we talked about, you know, what the Eagles needed to do at the beginning of the year, we did our preseason special. We talked that the Eagles could be good enough to make it into the playoffs. Did we think they'd win the division? Probably not. But realistically, I mean, it didn't start off that way. But with four games to go, divisional matchup against Washington, this is about where we expected this Eagles team to be, kind of on the verge of potentially maybe getting a playoff spot. You know, they've had bad losses. They've had great wins. This is an up-and-down football team, but it seems like over these last couple weeks, winning five of six, they're starting to turn the corner here. Yeah, I like how you used um, up-and-down and and turning the corner there to kind of describe the season because anytime where – you're in a spot where your team is in a clear rebuild, which is what they started this year to see that they already control their own playoff destiny and that they're turning the corner. It seems like the head coach found his footing a little bit defense coordinator to an extent. seems like he's somewhat found his footing. The team found their identity. So it is at least good to have, you know, some entertainment this late into the season. And like you said, this is going to be a big test for this team. And it's going to tell us a lot going forward. They control their own destiny and all these remaining matchups are against divisional opponents. So You know, their path is there, but it's going to be a tough one and there's going to be a lot of adversity, but I'm excited for it. Yeah, to kind of set the stage here, the Eagles, obviously, at six and seven. They are currently the eight seed. Washington, by tiebreakers, hold the seven seed. Uh, But but really, you, you look at this, how this is shaping up. You have San Francisco, you have Washington, you have Philly, you have Minnesota, you still have the Saints flirting around at six and seven as well. And then Atlanta, for some reason, Atlanta just won't go away. So they're in the mix. I mean, all these teams are there. The The additional playoff spot has really blown this thing wide open for teams that may not be in the conversation if that spot weren't there. Otherwise, I think the Eagles find themselves there, but they have to handle their business. Like you said, next four games against divisional opponents, Washington, New York, Washington, and then Dallas. So big, big four weeks coming up, and it starts with Washington, and you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. I would throw Washington in that category, Matt. Let's break it down. Um, This is a game the Eagles must have, especially with Washington right now really, really, really struggling. I mean, this is a Washington football team uh, just has been absolutely decimated, I guess, at the right time for the Eagles. Uh, by COVID protocol has 18 players currently in COVID protocol. And that number is expected to continue to rise and rise and rise. Um, They expect some to come back. They expect to lose more players who are vaccinated. Obviously could be activated off the reserve list after they test negative 24 hours apart. Uh, Players who aren't vaccinated are out 10 days minimum. 
They've lost Chase Young for a torn ACL. Uh, Taylor Heineke is dealing with a knee injury. Kyle Allen is supposed to be the next man up. He is in COVID protocol. Um, Terry McLaurin is in concussion protocol. Um, This team is decimated at the right time for the Eagles. I mean, you don't want to see injuries. You don't want to see teams go through COVID protocol. But it kind of reemphasizes that this is a game the Eagles must have. Yeah, it's 100% a must win. And when you look at the, like you said, how beat up they are, they should beat this team. I think that I don't think anyone is scared of Washington right now, considering how beat up they are. But regardless, you want to see the Eagles take away three out of these next four games to finish off the season and really, you know, get their chances that to the best it can be. And it starts off with beating a Washington team that you should be the team that you are more talented than and more healthy than on both sides of the ball. Yeah. So, so let's look at specific matchups and we'll start with the Eagles offense. Um, the expectation is that all of Jason Kelsey, Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts will be back this week. Um, we haven't really heard much doubt about Kelsey and miles. Um, but, uh, Jalen was a little more hesitant to say that he was going to play. He's obviously going to try everything that he can to play. The expectation is that he would play. Sirianni said as much, um, but Sirianni also said today that Nick's are uh, that Jalen and Gardner will be splitting first team reps because they have to get Gardner ready in the event that Jalen can't go. Uh, so, you know, we're going on two and a half weeks now. It has been reported that it turned out to be a high ankle sprain. For Jalen Hurts, that's typically a two to four week thing at minimum. So it, we're kind of in that hit or miss. It depends on how Jalen does throughout the week with his physical therapy, how he could get that ankle and how it really feels throughout the week. Um, but I, I guess first things first, is this something uh, we saw Gardner Minshew have a lot of success against the Jets, but granted it's the Jets. Washington is shorthanded, but they are better coached, always resilient and seem to have a pretty good defense overall, even though they've lost a couple pieces. Is this something that if Gardner Minshew plays, we still feel pretty good about this Eagles team going into this weekend? Uh, I think so. When you look at just how well the offensive line's been playing, how elite Bingo. and, yes, elite the run game has been for them. Uh, best I'm in the saying, NFL. Best in the NFL. I don't want to say, you know, it's a slam dunk, but uh, I do feel confident in at the end of the day, you just got to have that next man up mentality if it is the case. And Gardner should be having some confidence coming off of that win. I mean, love that video of him celebrating with his dad, by the way, after the game. Yeah. The oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I think so I think they'll be okay as long as they run the football, which is what I think they're going to do regardless of who plays against this Washington defense. So, uh, ideally, I want to say yes. And you mentioned it, so let's go there. The Eagles rushing attack versus Washington football run defense. The Eagles lead the NFL with 160 rushing yards a game. And on Sunday, they'll face a pretty damn good run defense, even though they don't have Chase Young. Statistically, uh, they rank fifth in the NFL against rushing yards allowed per game, 93.6. Uh, really, they are in the top 10 in all the categories of rushing yards allowed attempt, rushing touchdowns allowed, uh, rushes of more than 20 yards, rushing first downs, percentage of rushes resulting in first down. They're all in the top 10. This is a good rush defense. and But however, like I said, their defense has been decimated. Injuries, players on the COVID list, Chase Young done for the year. Um, the following defensive linemen are on the COVID list right now, Matt, and you'll, you'll recognize some of these names. 
Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, mm-hmm. Casey Tuhill, uh, and then some depth guys, Tim Settle, James Smith-Williams, and Will Bradley Kane as well. And obviously, we all know um, that Casey Tuhill is uh, – you know, uh, was a once Eagles player that another great probably, draft pick. You know, another another great draft. Well, that's the thing. We all thought he was starting to turn into something, and then to keep veterans on the roster, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, good old Howie Roseman let go of the young and potentially promising young defensive end for you know, one year of a vet that's no longer on the team. Uh, also an update, Matt Ioannidis is now reportedly on the COVID list. So just, just add that, that is loss. seven, that is seven defensive linemen that Washington has on the COVID list. And then the eighth chase yawn out for the year. Those they are have, big name guys too. Those are, those big are name guys. Big, those are big name guys. And that's just up front. They have more issues. I'd say major issues in the secondary, uh, I'm just going through this. They are without Kendall Fuller. The Benjamin St. Juice and Tory McTire are on IR. Danny Johnson is mostly a slot guy, so they can't move him outside. And I know some of these names, some people are like, who the hell is that? But it just bear with me. Daryl Roberts hasn't played a defensive snap this year. He is slated to be the starting left corner. So keep in mind of that. Devontae Smith. Uh, Corn Elder and Troy Apke haven't either. They're depth guys. Jeremy Reeves has played one at free safety, and there are no other cornerbacks on the practice squad for Washington to call up. That's it. Washington has a skeleton crew right now, and you're looking at the Eagles offense right now. Eagles offensive line, what they like to do. They're play- I mean, the offensive line is playing at an extremely high level. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata all could be in the Pro Bowl this year should be in the pro ball this year. I, I think they're all they They should all be locks. in in my opinion, um, we won't really know of what Washington's defensive line will look like. Um, but this Eagles offensive line has had plenty of time to study what this Washington defense does and what this pass rush does. The concern for the Eagles is the availability of Kelsey, but again, expected to play. Um, Jalen hurts, Probably will play. Miles Sanders probably will play. But if not, the Eagles will have to try to decide if they could trust Nate Herbert to start at center. And that has not gone well um, in limited fashion. So a lot of moving parts here when you when you look at this Eagles offense and Washington defense. Definitely a lot of moving parts. And, you know, when you just look at how banged up and how on reserves they are, you know, this almost feels like, you know, a trap game, but I don't want to say that because I don't really oh, believe God. in that too much. But oh God, this is a golden opportunity for them to just come out and do what they've been doing best all year and just start running the football, set up the run game, wear down their already beaten down defensive line, and then try to take advantage of these, you know, deaf defensive backs. So it's right in front of them. It's just a matter of his Sirianni going to call the right game plan, which I think is just run the football, take advantage and put them you know, on their back foot, which they're not used to being on their back foot in regards to the run game. So opportunity to just throw them all off. Yeah. uh, Washington has a minus 58 point differential and the Eagles are plus 46 uh, differential. That's top. That's good for top five on the Eagles part. While Washington, like I said, is the worst differential in the league at minus 58, believe it or not. So, I mean, Washington, when they lose, they lose bad. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so that that is what they do. Um, this Eagles offense to me, like 
if you expect Miles Sanders to be back, Jordan Howard might be back. Uh, you still have Boston Scott running at in a, at a very good level as well. Kenny Gainwell showed signs of life. Welcome back to the party, Kenny Gainwell. Uh, lat, two weeks ago now against the Jets. Keep rotating these guys. This offensive line is playing so damn well. Um, and especially if Jalen Hurts has a bum ankle, don't ask him to run too much. Rely yep. on this run game. And, and if you have those issues in the secondary, Matt, you know, you know I, we, we just mentioned the catastrophe they have. Um, Kez Watkins is on the COVID list right now, so that could be a little interesting wrinkle. But you still have Devontae Smith. Um, Jalen Rager is a wash. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has kind of low-key been playing okay in limited time. Uh, maybe you see if he can have a broad role. And then obviously Dallas Goddard, right? Dallas Goddard at tight end should have a day as well. I, I'm looking at, you know, running the football, getting the ball in Devontae Smith's hands, and relying on Dallas Goddard. And the Eagles should do enough to win this game offensively. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard, obviously being the premier uh, offensive receiver in this one. I would be surprised if he, you know, leads the team in receiving yards, but probably not a whole lot. But I'm also having a good feeling that this could be another good Devontae Smith game. You know, I'm not saying over too. 100 yards, but, you know, catches most of his targets, maybe puts in a touchdown or two, you know, makes good out of all of the opportunities he's given. So I think this could be a bright spot because remember he's been, what was he like the number one graded offensive player since over a certain stretch. I don't know if he still is, but that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. He, he's been good and, and fun little stat. Devante Smith has more touchdown uh, catches than the entire giants wide receiver core. Just, wanted, he does. just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but no, this Eagles offense should find success against the Washington defense. Just absolutely decimated between COVID and the the injuries. I mean, losing Chase Young to a torn ACL. I mean, that that's just the start of it, right? Uh, let's look at this Eagles defense against Washington's offense. And I, I mean, we don't really know. The expectation is Taylor Heineke is going to play. That That's the crazy thing about this game. There are so many uh, variables now because of what Washington's going through. One of the teams mm -hmm. most decimated by COVID, like I said, 18 players and counting uh, headed Got to the 18. COVID list. Headed. To, I, I mean, think about that. I mean, yeah, that that's 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 right. That's more you than know. like that's more than, you know, you only have 11 guys on the field at, you know, you dress, team. you dress 40 on game day if, and two two healthy scratches. So, I mean, this is turning into a quite a disaster for Washington. Um, and, and it's hitting the quarterback room too. Like I said, Taylor Heineke, uh, should is expected to play, but he has a bad knee right now. He banged it up against Dallas and then backup quarterback, Kyle Allen is in COVID protocol. Uh, Antonio Gibson is a guy to watch, right? Antonio Gibson is certainly one of the players that you look at Washington's offense that has right. been, um, one of the more consistent weapons for them. He leads the team in yards of scrimmage over a thousand has rushed, uh, for 836 yards, has five touchdowns, can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's currently seventh in the NFL in rushing yards. Um, I mean, when you're looking at things that the that Washington's going to rely on, Antonio Gibson is something that the Eagles defense has to pay attention to. They had some early season struggles stopping the run. They've been better lately, but they can still be leaky on certain drives. On the season, the Eagles are allowing 3.99 yards per carry, which is actually sixth best in the NFL. So they've kind of they've kind of balanced out a little bit, but the Eagles need to continue to be better on that front if 
you want to if you want to beat Washington and give this offense more and more opportunities, you have to do your part on defense and not allow Washington to gain confidence and do what they want to do, mm-hmm. which is run the ball with Antonio Gibson and keep that Eagles defense out there and wear them out. Because we've seen that over the period of time this year against certain teams that the Eagles defense does get tired. I, I, I'm talking about, I mean, look at the Chargers game, right? I mean, that just wore them down. Um, and especially if you don't know how healthy Heineke is going to be and or Kyle Allen, uh, they're going to be relying on this run game a lot. It, it's guys like Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave uh, and Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett to step up. TJ Edwards at linebacker. Alex Singleton has had to be forced back into an important role as well. It's up to these guys to continue to stop the run and force Washington out of their game plan and force Taylor Heineke to push the ball down the field, which typically does not go very well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll guess I'll highlight really, like you said, Fletcher Cox in this situation where he's just been so irrelevant all year. It feels like it's been hard to watch. It's it? a, it's a good opportunity for him to start playing like the hundred million dollar player he is and to at least get himself going in the right direction with this banged up Washington team. And, you know, hopefully it is something that you want to see. And with with this Washington football team, I'm obviously they have a pretty darn good weapon in the wide receiver room and Terry McLaurin and Terry McLaurin scary, been, Terry. scary Terry. He's been quiet this year though. That's because of the quarterback play leads Washington. He's been quiet, but yet still leads Washington in receptions, yards and touchdowns. The next closest wide receiver in any statistical category. It's not even close. It's Adam Humphreys, which he's not very much involved. The matchup you got to watch though, Darius Slay on Terry McLaurin. I mean, Darius Slay is playing at an unworldly level right now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he is he is playing probably his best statistical season of his career, which says a probably. lot. Um, he's been the, arguably the best player on the Eagles defense in 2021 as a slam dunk. Uh, honestly, pro bowler to me. And I mean, he's not going to get defensive player of the year because very rarely do corners get that accolade but he deserves to be in the conversation that's how good he's Mm -hmm. been but you look at terry mclaurin has had a lot of success against the eagles right uh i mean he was slowed down by slay last year a little bit but went off his rookie year um but you look at this matchup and mclaurin explosive player looks to get downfield he was concussed last Sunday, landed on his head. He's in COVID pro or not COVID protocol, concussion protocol. Um, so his availability for Sunday is in question. It's something to be mindful of. But if you're the Eagles who simply have to prepare for a guy like McLaurin and treat it like he's going to play and be happy to adjust if he doesn't, because Washington will be in a world of hurt of hurt if he mm-hmm. doesn't, but you better be ready for him if he does. Yeah, honestly, going back to Darius Slay, I mean, if he's not first team All Pro for defensive back, I don't know who is. So, right, right. Uh, I'm relying yeah, on he's him. He's been to, the best corner, in my opinion, this year. Yeah, it's I also do like you know, I do think Terry McLaurin is a really talented receiver, and I think he is always dangerous. But for the most part, I think that uh, Darius Slay should at least be able to you know contain him fairly well, not allow him to do anything crazy, and then you just got to rely on the other guys. Like Coach Belichick always says, do your job. Relying on Stephen Nelson, Devontae Maddox to just contain guys that they should be significantly better than and just hopefully just let this Washington offense go nowhere and just let hopefully this just turn into a complete domination, which it could, I see. We, we look at the defensive line. We keep going back to this defensive line, right? And they've been kind of underwhelming. They haven't done much when it comes to 
you know, sacks or disrupting the backfield this year, they're tied for third fewest sacks in the NFL with 21. That's not something when you look at this defensive line, considering that this defense is built around said defensive line, that that's a stat you want to see. It needs to be better. Um, they've been getting better, Matt. I think we've seen improvement. I think we've seen more aggressiveness from Gannon on the defensive side of the ball, calling some more blitzes and the defensive line has been getting there a little more of late. We'll see if this continues. Uh, let's start with the Washington offensive line though. They're going to be without their starting center, Chase Rullier mm -hmm. with a fractured fibula. Starting right tackle Sam Cosme is on injured reserve with a hip injury. Their starting five against Dallas uh, was as such Charles Leno at left tackle. Eric Flowers is at left guard, which we all know that name. That's not very good if you have Eric Flowers in your starting five. Mm -hmm. Tyler Larson, Brandon Sheriff, one of the best guards in football. Can't do much about that. And Cornelius Lucas on the right side. Washington has weathered those injuries this season, has played impressively well actually when you really look at it um but then they were overwhelmed last week as soon as you thought they were weathering it they got overwhelmed by dallas's pass rush um both leno and larson left with injuries against dallas and did not return so that's something to keep an eye on uh, sadiq charles replaced leno and keith ismail replaced larson if both of those guys and leno and larson can't go those two other guys and Charles and Ismail will be the starting both tackles and they'll be down to their third string center. This has to be a game. Mm -hmm. The Eagles defensive line dominates. It just, I simply mean, they're, has they're, to be. they're, they're giving it, they're, they're practically doing everything, but giving it to him right now. I mean, you just look at it. They're giving it to him. I mean, if the Eagles are to win this game at, um, and we're about to get to our predictions now on it, strong, rushing attack on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Don't ask Jalen to do too much if that ankle isn't right. You should have some explosive plays, though, with the banged-up secondary. Look at Devontae Smith. Look at Dallas Goddard consistently. Get that run game going. And on the defensive side of the ball, take advantage of a banged-up offensive line. Take away that run game, and then eventually wear that offense out. Take them out of their game plan. Pin those ears back and get to Taylor Heineke, and good things should happen. I fully agree. I mean – you just look at one. I think the Eagles are more talented than Washington, even when they're healthy. And as long as, you know, knock on wood, Jalen isn't asked to do too much and takes a bad shot to his lower ankle. This should be a game that they really control the entire way through. So, you know, but anything, any given Sunday, but I think oh, this Sunday, I, I think this, I think this Sunday favors us. I, I mean, you look at this game and like you said, uh, I mean, you use the dreaded word trap game, but I think Washington uh, eventually, each team has a breaking point when it comes to adversity and injuries and depth, right? I mean, at some point, talent just beats talent. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's nothing against Washington. Maybe it is, but, I mean, you can only take so much. The Eagles have been, for the majority, holding – holding pretty good health-wise. I mean, I know Jalen's trying to come back. Kelsey and, and Miles, you know, are battling back. But that bye week came at a really good time for Philly. And, and I really see this team at home beating Washington rather easily. I, I'm going to ask you for your final score um, after mine. I'm going to go 34-13, uh, to 13 Birds, though. I think this is going to be a fun Sunday in Philadelphia. Mine's actually really close to yours. I'm going to go 30 to 17. And okay. Yeah, I think that, you know, they might get one or two late touchdowns in the fourth quarter that really seals it. But for the most part, I think that they're going to be in control most of the way through.
And look, divisional game, you, you usually typically throw records out the window when it comes to divisional game. And Washington has played Philly pretty, pretty close of late last year. I mean, last year sucked, right? Week one mm-hmm. meltdown. And then obviously we all know what happened against Washington in the end of the year. Um, that was the end of the Doug Peterson era and, and the Carson Wentz era. Uh, but, you know, this Eagles team is playing at the playing well and playing better at the right time they should handle their business against Washington, mm-hmm. which kind of leads me to what we're going to talk about next. And that's our expectations. So we're going to look at the bigger picture here. What are expectations coming out of the bye week? What our expectations are with this birds team, the next four games, obviously we laid out at the beginning of the show. I'll say it again. They have Washington this week and we just broke down that game. Then after that, they have the giants at home. Then they go, down down 95 and play at FedEx Field, play Washington again. So you got Washington two of the next three weeks and then end the season at home against the Lincoln at, at Dallas. What that game means to Dallas, we're not really sure yet. They'll probably have clinched the division by then would be my guess. Um, so that's going to be an interesting storyline, but you got to get there. You got to mm-hmm. get there first, right? That game has to matter for Philadelphia one way or the other. So what do the Eagles need to do to go on a playoff run to you know for the first time in in two years uh you're sitting at six and seven just out of a wild card spot get steady play from jalen hurts i i I can't stress this enough the eagles are not going anywhere without steady play from hurts he deserves to be the starter but the eagles need consistent play from him down the stretch if they're going to get into the postseason because the last time we saw him he kind of stunk it up at the Meadowlands against the Giants through three interceptions has worst game to date as a professional. I don't think that's really uh, too much of a uh, debate there. And then you obviously had Gardner Minshew play well against the Jets. But we talked about this year being all about the progression and establishing whether or not Jalen Hurts is the franchise quarterback. We've said this a couple times on the show. But, uh, I mean, this has to be his show if the Eagles make the playoffs. Yeah, first and foremost, good play out of the quarterback is what you want to see. But um, my, you know, magic number for these next four games is I think they need to go 3-1. and one. I think yeah, that, I agree that this that. is a situation where they control their own destiny. They have to go out and win three or four games. I mean, there's no other way around it. And really, that loss really can't be against Washington. It really can't. that's who they're battling. Yeah, you can't drop – you definitely can't drop a loss this week. So – um, good teams would find a way to win three out of four games here. And they don't have to be pretty. It doesn't matter how they're done. You just got to win three out of four. I mean, that's pretty much all I can say to them at this point. Win three out of four. The Eagles have seemed to find a formula that's been working since really that Detroit game. That was kind of the awakening. They can run the ball, make Hurts more of a role player, allowing him to make a few key plays here and there, simply run the offense. You know, mm-hmm. he, he don't ask him to do too much. If you ask him to do too much, that's typically where you start to see this offense start to sputter and and bad things happen, like throwing three interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, for that to work, Hurts can't make mistakes and throw the picks. He knows that. We all know it. Needs to be the thing for me. I think he just needs to be more accurate and make better decisions and and stay in the pocket a little more. I I, I think he still has the tendency to bail only right too much. Um, and, and it's and it's predictable when he does. If his first or second read isn't there, he typically bails. He doesn't give the wide receivers that much time to you know readjust and make a play. So because 
by that time, Hertz is probably off and running. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that I'd like to see Hertz more, especially if his ankle isn't right. I don't want to see him running all over the place. Absolutely because that, not. Yeah. Because that's just asking for, for more uh, aggravation uh, to that ankle. And potentially he's going to get hurt even more. I don't think we need another Donovan McNabb playing on one oh, game kind of game with Jalen Hurts in this situation. So no, let's ideally, not. you know, you know, cut, run the ball, but not with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, continue to run effectively. Feed miles. Feed miles. Exactly. The Eagles have rushed for 175 yards in six straight games, which is when you when you really think about it, that's absolutely insane. That's not only good. is that not only is that rare, but that that's like. It's rare with the Eagles. Like when you think of the Eagles, like in our lifetimes, we never ran the ball like that. Under Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, you didn't run the ball like that. You threw the ball. I mean, you you ran it here and there, but that this is just absolutely bonkers. Um, they have completely flipped what they thought their identity was going to be, and they're four and two in their last six. And they're the first team to rush for over 175 yards in six straight games since the '85 Bears, who had Walter Payton. The 85 Bears. Well, I, I would not have thought of that at all. You know what the 85 Bears did. Wow. Uh, yeah, you know what the 85 Bears, and they had Walter Payton. So, um, like, it's it's just insane what the Eagles have done offensively, and a help that the Eagles expect to be pretty healthy in the backfield. Miles Sanders tweaked that ankle, but he's had two weeks. The expectation is that he's back. Eagles are presumably expecting to have Jordan Howard back after the bye as well. They should be back. Um he wasn't put on IR, so that's good. And all this really means is the Eagles have Sanders, Howard, Boston Scott, and Kenny Gainwell um, to, to really feed into that formula that's been working so damn well. The only thing is it's going to be on Sirianni to figure this out, how to use them all. Um, but they need to stick with what's been working for them. Feed Miles Sanders. He needs mm -hmm. to be the lead workhorse guy. But Jordan Howard comes in fresh. For that third and short, you know, maybe that goal line carry here and there, that works. Boston Scott, fresh off the bench, get him in for a drive or two, perfect. Kenny Gainwell, I think, will fall out of favor with those three guys back. But the point is, Miles Sanders needs to lead the way. Yeah, definitely. Miles Sanders needs to be your RB1 feed booby. But, you know, it is, is going to be interesting to see how he figures out how to utilize all these guys. But it's, if anything, it's a good problem to have. So, you know, I have grown really, you know, accustomed to seeing Jordan Howard coming in as that, yeah. Really finding new life, by the way. I mean, it seemed like he looked, he barely he looked, looked at an NFL roster before that knee injury. He looked like I thought I was looking at Bears, uh, Jordan Howard. That's Bears what I was Pro Bowler, Jordan Howard. So uh, it's, there, there's definitely a lot of good things to see there, and I'm excited to see where that goes. But, um, yeah, if he's going to be your change of pace back and you can utilize him the right way, Boston Scott, if you can feed him the ball a little bit more consistently, so maybe he doesn't fumble on that, you know, last drive after he's hardly touched the ball. But really, it's a good problem to have with your running back situation. And as much as the Eagles want to run the ball, you, you can't avoid the pass, right? You got You still got to throw the ball, and Jalen Hurts has to be more accurate. They have two elite talents, in my opinion, in the receiving group, and we all know who they are. It's Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith, clearly the two players that Jalen needs to target the most. I mean, you look at the Giants' loss, neither had a big role, and then they readjust, and Dallas Goddard goes off for a career game against the Jets. Now I get it, it's the Jets, but at the same time, um, you, you know, again, the Eagles readjusted, sat back and, you know, tried to figure out what worked. get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Dallas Goddard's one of them. So I, I think that's another thing like, look, 
you can't ask Jalen Rager to do too much or anything, really. I, really I mean, not. I'm I, I'm pretty good at dumping him down under the bridge of the Susquehanna and just leaving him there. Uh, like, honestly, it, it, he has been that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, you got to re- rely on Goddard and Devontae. Yeah, you think, granted, some of it is probably mental, but at the same time, it doesn't change the fact that you can't keep just forcing him into the lineup when he's giving you one catch on two targets for negative one yards in an entire half. So you got to cut your losses at some point. Mm-hmm. He he looks lost, and maybe this offseason, how he explores a trade. Maybe they go and and get, you know, maybe send him to a team like Chicago for a fresh face, and somehow bring Allen Robinson into the fold. I'm I'm not really that. sure. I wouldn't mind that either. I, but I think you need to pair somebody that you know, whoever the quarterback may be in the future, pair somebody with Devontae Smith so that they, you know, you have those two solid guys along with Dallas Goddard at tight end. I feel like this should be on the top of Howie Roseman's list this offseason is to add a third guy that the quarterback can look towards. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. If we want this Eagles team to make the playoff push that we expect them to make um, this pass rush, I, I mean, we talked about it against Washington, right, Matt? It, mm-hmm. it, it's still the, it's still the same case. Like it, it can't just be against Washington. It's got to be the rest of the year. The second half, the Eagles defense has looked better. Um. But, I mean, Darius Slay playing at an all-pro level. Linebackers need to at least hold up. T.J. Edwards is leading the way on that, but Alex Singleton is still there. But the success of this defense, bottom line, hinges on the success of that defensive line. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, even Milton Williams, they've put a ton of resources into this line. I mean, they always do. Uh, Clearly, they're missing Brandon Graham. That's not a secret. But even without Graham, this line should be doing more than third worst in the NFL when it comes to sacks at only 21. Um, It's just not good enough. They've gotten decent pressure at times this year, but it's been inconsistent. And it'd be really important for them to get after the quarterback in the last few weeks and force some turnovers and create some short fields and swing game momentum, you know, for the offense. Really? Yeah. So this is a definitely the time for this defensive line, especially Fletcher Cox to step up and start playing like the, you know, the defensive line, you know, start living up to their salaries is what I was trying to say. But, but especially with Josh Sweat, I mean, it seems like he almost takes plays off in between certain reps on games. Fletcher Cox has just been non-existent. Granted, yeah, he does get double teamed a lot. Javon Hargrave had that incredible start and just has fallen off a little bit. I know. It's like all of a to, sudden he's forgotten. They, you know, they've all, I feel like they've all been hot and cold at different times. With four to go, they all got to find a way to get hot or at least lukewarm at the same time. Uh, and say less, right? I mean, the, the defense needs to turn it up a notch if the Eagles have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs and making any sort of push. We're not saying they are. Uh, Got to get there first. But if they do, that that that's something that they need to address. And not many people are talking about this. And, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it just doesn't seem like it. Not enough people are appreciating what Jake Elliott's doing this year. I mean, he, needless to say had a career worse uh, year in 2020. He was horrible. Mm -hmm. And he's really turned it around through 13 games. He's made 22 of 24 field goal attempts, uh, three of three from 50 plus. And he's also made, get this, Matt, as my dog is just going absolutely bonkers. Great timing. Um, He's made all of his extra points. Mm -hmm. What was the problem last year with Jake Elliott? Oh, the problem was he was as likely to hit a 50-yard field goal as he was to miss an extra point. (laughs) 
Exactly. He's made all 33 of them this year. He missed a 46-yarder and a 47-yarder got blocked. That's two of his misses. Um, Heading into the bye, Elliott's made 15 straight field goals. And we bring that up because there's a good chance at least some of these final four games, divisional game matchups, Matt, are always close. They are always, always especially the, close. Especially the Redskins, I feel like. I feel like the Redskins is where like, right. a lot of the, the pushing and shoving gets out, where like it comes down to the last drive or two. Elliott so. can be an X factor for the Eagles, and especially in close games, there is nothing more important than having a kicker that no matter where you are in opponent's territory, you have a shot. Jake Elliott is that kicker. The way he's playing this year, you have a shot in tight games mm-hmm. with minimal margin for error. Um, the the kicker continues to be pretty much automatic three for three from 50 plus. That's a weapon that Sirianni can rely on. If you just need to get points. I mean, Jake Elliott's been automatic this year outside of Justin Tucker. He's been the best kicker in the league. I'd say so. Yeah. And it is good. It's refreshing to see given where he was last year. So he can be that guy if it comes down to last second field goal or whatever, but you know, knock on wood, hopefully doesn't come down to that. So when we look at these next four weeks, Matt, and obviously, you know, we're back with our, full episodes and you know, we're going to break this all down week by week. They start with Washington four games left. They control their own playoff destiny. Uh, Washington, New York, Washington, Dallas in your gut. Is this a team? Like, are we setting ourselves up for disappointment here? Or is gut feeling that the Eagles some one way or the other figure this thing out and they're in the playoffs. Uh, my gut feelings, honestly, figure this out, execute this the right way. They're in the playoffs. I mean, they have a lot going for them right now. The opportunity is right there in front of them to take it. So I think if they figure it out, absolutely. And, and then obviously, like if that's the case, we have a whole conversation after the year is over, whenever that may be, however it plays out. Um, all eyes will go to Howie Roseman in this front office and Jalen Hurts. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the I cannot stress enough that the few, that these next four weeks more than likely defines Jalen Hurts' career. Is it yep. going to be in Philadelphia or is it going to be somewhere else, potentially as a backup? These next four games dictate a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see what fire Jalen Hurts comes out with because I think, you know, I, I mean, neck, you, you know, knock Jalen Hurts for a lot of things, but his will to win and his competitiveness is not one of them that he lacks. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how he comes out these next four weeks and potentially could take this team on his shoulders to a playoff run. Knowing him, he's definitely going to have the fire in his eyes, but it's going to be mad if he's going to, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. So, you know, no pressure on the kid when you put it that way. But these next four games are monumental for you going forward with the Eagles and potentially the rest of your career. I mean, you say that, Matt, no pressure, but I I mean, the pressure's on, man. I mean, the Eagles traded their franchise quarterback away to hopefully find, make you the franchise quarterback. You have four games to take this team to the playoffs. I mean, if it's, if it's not now, it's not going to be because Howie Roseman will go get Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or Deshaun Watson. Uh, So, I mean, that, that, that is what is on the line or or even draft the player who knows. Um, But that's, what's on the line for Jalen Hurts. It's going to be interesting to see. And obviously it's more about the quarterback position, but it starts with the quarterback position. It's the most important position in all sports, and that's why we talk about it so much. Jalen Hurts, your time is now. Go and get it, uh, and and hopefully he's a franchise quarterback for years to come if, if he does. Mm-hmm. Um, before we head out, we have a couple minutes left, Matt. I do want to touch on the Sixers a little bit. They've been they've been a little maddening to, to deal with, to say the least, of late. I mean, obviously beating Golden State and then – 
now I get it. They, they sat Embiid, and I believe uh, Tobias Harris was out as well. Uh, but they just absolutely stunk up the joint against mm-hmm. the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, absolutely stunk the joint up. It was embarrassing, actually. Yep. Uh, almost, to, to watch. Almost, lost by, almost lost by 40. Yeah, it, it, it was bad. So, you know, this is going to be a big week um, for the Sixers coming up. And obviously there's a number of contracts around the lead becoming tradable on December 15th. Uh, the, and so that that's that's where I'm going with this. Contenders can start really hunting for those roster improvements. Pretenders can mull over fire sales. You're starting to hear rumblings of that, you know, out in, uh, you know, Toronto might be dealing some more players. Indiana might be blowing it up. So you're starting to see it a little bit. You, mm-hmm. You've already heard Ben Simmons as a potential uh possibility to go to Indiana, but I'm not sure how much, I mean, I would want Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert at least. I don't think you're going to get both. So, I mean, who, who am I? But the Sixers of course have the spiciest trade storyline in the entire NBA. Oh, absolutely. Yep. I, I mean, it's not a secret, right? Uh, per Woj suggested the team might be accelerating towards a deal this week. We've all saw the reports. Um, however, there's been a couple little tidbits thrown out here and there, and it's kind of not been talked about a whole lot, but front office executives around the league are hearing some growing buzz around one James Harden's name in connection with Ben Simmons. Once again, now you're starting to sit back and we're starting to get pretty impatient with Daryl Moore. You see the deficiencies on the Sixers team, go and get Joel Embiid Mm -hmm. some help, please. For the love of God, do anything, do something to get this man some help. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, there's going to be ongoing whispers about, you know, if a strong deal for Simmons never comes in, you know, this way for Philadelphia, which it should. I hope so. But there's ongoing whispers about free agency sign and trade for Simmons that will allow Harden to join forces with Embiid uh, and come back, obviously rejoin with Daryl Morey. They were together in Houston. Um, But for now, it seems like Brooklyn standing on top of the Eastern Conference uh, moving Harden for Simmons makes, you know, not a whole lot of sense on the surface uh, for the Nets right now, especially if Kyrie remains inactive. But it's just interesting to me that 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 is getting thrown out there. Obviously, Harden was rumored as the Sixers' main interest in deal last year before Maury, you know, sat tight, and we kind of wish he didn't. But to, to me, um, I, I think what hasn't, what what is getting seen past the fact that Harden might come. It's the fact that there is a serious possibility that the Sixers could wait out this whole season, a season in the middle of Joel Embiid's prime playing like the MVP that he is before moving Simmons. It, it, it just makes absolutely no sense to me yep. whatsoever. And it's a disgrace. It's a disservice. And it's one that should be fireable, in my opinion, as an offense. You're wasting arguably the best player in the city of Philadelphia's prime by just leaving a man who clearly is not going to want to be here, ever sit up for this team again, on the bench doing nothing. You're literally just shooting yourself in the foot every game, it feels like. And this is what Daryl Morey said two months ago when he was asked about this. And it really hasn't changed. And, you know, 
maybe maybe we just you know didn't believe him as much but he literally said and i quote people should buckle in this is going to go for a long time because my only job is to help us have the best chance to win the title ben simmons is a difference maker so if we can get him back he will help us win the title if we could trade ben simmons for a difference maker we will do it i think that's the best for everyone in this situation mm-hmm. so if daryl Morey is not getting the return that he expects which is a difference maker which I get, but at this point, it just needs to be anything. Do anything to get this past Philadelphia because it, it's not – nobody is winning out of this situation. But the yep. fact that he is so gun-ho about potentially, you know, holding on to Ben Simmons, potentially – and look, Harden will be 33 before next season begins. He's currently averaging the fewest points per game since – his 2011-2012 season, his lowest field goal percentage since his rookie year, and his lowest three-point percentage ever. Is that the difference maker you want at this point? Is that any different than shipping him off, you know, somewhere now and getting a guy like potentially Karis LeVert, Jalen Brown, uh, I've heard getting thrown out, you know, in a potential Boston deal, I I doubt that happens. I still have a hard time believing it, but it's been thrown out there. I just have a hard time that James Harden at this point, like the name James Harden is better than probably what you're getting James Harden. Now. I I don't, I don't think that's uh, why wait a whole year of Embiid's prime wasting a season like this, because let's be honest, the way the Sixers are constructed now, you're not winning a championship. You might not even win a playoff series because you're probably as of right now, you're probably the sixth seed. Then you're probably playing Milwaukee, Miami, or Brooklyn. You're going to lose that series, and we're going to waste another year of Joel Embiid's prime. Do something. Do anything. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, if this team doesn't find a way to get past the second round for what would now be, what, the fourth or fifth year in a row, I mean, they're going to start yes. to lose the city. And, yes. again, I don't know if a 33-year-old Harden is the answer going forward for a Ben Simmons trade, but you got to do something, Dale Murray. He has to let go of his pride and just make this team better and get someone – who is going to help your MVP candidate player and this team. I mean, he can't win with just one guy doing it all alone. So, and having another guy who's not going to play for you and just sitting on the bench longer and longer and longer and his trade value going lower and lower and lower, it's not going to work. Bottom line, I mean, we all want the Simmons saga to be over as much Mm -hmm. as anyone. Like, I'm tired. We're all tired. When we want... Joel to have viable help so he can keep taking actual championship runs in the postseason while he's playing at an MVP level. Let's not make the mistake of wasting the prime of one of the more dominating, if not the most dominating player in the NBA right now away. Mm-hmm. I want there to be other options out there for the Sixers. Harden just to me is not tipping the scales for me right now. There's got to be something better. I think so too. Be. I think a 33-year-old guy with limited control with like limited control over his contract long term and given the fact that he's, you know, playing his worst season I think you said two, since 2011, right? Yeah. Yeah. At that point I'd rather just go, you know, trade him to Indy for like a Malcolm Brogdon or Karis LeVert if you can find a way to work out a Jalen Brown, guys who are still somewhat young and can contribute for years to come instead of just one guy for potentially one season. So I think me personally as much as I wouldn't mind James Harden in a Sixers uniform, if there are other options out there, preferably younger and more long-term options, I would look for that. But again, anything's better than just having Ben Simmons sit on the bench and doing nothing. Tired of being tired, Matt. That's what I always like to say. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously the Sixers are kind of fluctuating 
you know, each game here between like the six seed and the eight or nine seed, depending on if they win or lose. Uh, so the Sixers still, you know, have a long ways to go, obviously. Uh, and, and we will keep everybody updated if there is anything that comes our way when it comes to Ben Simmons being traded. And obviously we are still in a baseball lockout. Uh, the Flyers, Matt, won three in a row. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there go, you go. You got, go you got team. that. Poison back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, playoff run. Here we come. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if they can maintain it. Um, the three-game win streak is actually the longest of the year already. So uh, we'll we'll see if the Flyers can bounce back. They still believe they can make a postseason run. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not getting my hopes up on that. But uh, that'll do it for another episode of Made for Philly. We broke down a lot, Matt. We broke down, obviously, Mm -hmm. the Washington football team, big matchup this weekend, what the Eagles need to do to make a playoff push. And then we talked Sixers and some Flyers as well. So for Matt, uh, I am Bryce. You can actually follow our Twitter page at Made for Philly, as well as both our Twitter accounts at ZBryce21 and Matt underscore underscore Minton. And obviously any Twitter interaction that we have with our listeners is really fun and appreciated. And obviously anything big that happens in the Philly sports world, we will keep you up to date on it. Uh, Other than that, enjoy the football this weekend. Go Birds. Uh, Trust that damn process and go Flyers, I guess. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if they do anything. The uh, stay safe. <clears throat> excuse me. Stay safe out there. Uh, we will catch you next week right here on Made for Philly. <laughs>